Hello and welcome to the Weekend Review. We're back after the Christmas break. It's the 7th, so the, the decorations should now from yesterday have been taken down, unfortunately. This is uh, an anniversary of the Weekend Review podcast. We think this is the about the 50th episode we've done, which means it's about 30 days off for me and about 30,000 cigarettes smoked by SD Wicket. Um, which is a hint at the, the first regular speaker with us today. Sam, how are you? Oh, I'm very well, Michael. I, I'm refreshed. I, um, I did catch the, uh, the dreaded hoof over, the, over Christmas, but uh, I'm okay now. You don't look refreshed. You're sat having a fag in your pyjamas, from what I can see. That's, that's not the definition of refreshed. No, it's called Friday. Have a good day off. Good job the camera's on. And uh, we're joined, of course, by my other uh, unrefreshed-looking friend, Luke Perry. Luke, how are you? I'm very well. Like the, the two of you, I, I did catch the, the Wuhan flu. It could, no respiratory um, symptoms, but was struck down by a fever for about four or five hours. And that was the, the valiant assault of, of COVID on my anatomy. Uh, I am still alive, still breathing, unfortunately for you two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was weird. All I, I was expecting to at least have some like coughing, but I um, all I felt was hungover for, for about three days, and the skin on my back felt very sensitive. That's what I, that's all I, that's all I really felt. Cranky. <laughs> I was I was really really worried actually when I when I knew I had COVID. I was sort of distraught. I was going through panic fits because I caught it a few days before Christmas, and just imagine not tasting the Christmas dinner. What a what a shame that would have been, but thankfully the the senses stayed intact, and I, I, I uh, suffered no further than than the stress of not tasting the uh, the the stuffing and turkey. So, oh, there we go. Uh, good luck to us. Um, but anyway, it is it's the anniversary of of Bournebrook, as we said, but also the anniversary uh, given that of the first topic topic we covered which was the uh, January 6 riots in the US, which I think, Sam, you wanted to to bend down on your knee and, and produce an apology to our listenership. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I'm absolutely ashamed at how we covered that story this time last year. We, you know, we were, we were, we were firmly blue pill on the matter. Um, I mean, obviously, I think I knew then what I knew now, which is that it was nowhere near the level of carnage wrought by the uh, the summer riots. But um, I think uh, I, I, I think I think Luke and myself do do owe uh, the, the right as a whole an, an apology for our uh, less than on brand stance on the matter. We uh, we both seem to sort of be sort of um, accepting of the consequences, which we we now know to have been a catastrophic uh, misstep. Hmm. Well, I'm glad you didn't include me in that because I think then as now I uh, yeah, don't. Sorry, you didn't really no, care. I don't care. I don't care if it's if it's that side of the ocean. It doesn't bother me too much. Um, I normally do. There was a period when I got really interested in U.S. politics, but over the past two years, I think I've, other than looking at sort of uh, COVID and lockdown news across the world, it's been fairly. Well, it's yeah, it's it's, it's bread and circuses, but there's no bread and the circus is terrible. Yes, there is that. We'll there is that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. Uh, we might as well not uh, break from usual trends and, and talk straight away about COVID. Um, there's been a lot going on this week. I, I mean, we probably started the last episode before Christmas by saying there seems to have been a, a doubling down on those who haven't been vaccinated. But it, it seems uh, continuously as though it's ramping up. Um, first of all, with France, where Macron uh, openly admitting that his his aim, not just, you know, 
um, part of what he does, but literally his strategy in his own words, his strategy uh, towards COVID is peeing off those who, uh, for varying personal reasons, choose not to get vaccinated, um, so, which I, I think you have at least uh, got to say it's, it's good that someone, uh, while brazen, is honest about this for once, um, which has been rare. And there's been the the controversy about Djokovic, the um, the tennis player who uh, was allowed to go to Australia, but now is having his visa revoked, is he? And he's being kicked mm. out, being made an example of essentially because of his mm. vaccination status. Well, the 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 latest development is that he's supposedly being holed up in a in a decrepit hotel with poor conditions. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's clear he's he's being made the uh, the, the sort of the example of uh, Australia's descent into. Um, absolute tyranny and it, it almost seems now that the the granting of the exemption was merely a a, a sort of a um a trojan horse to to get him into the country only to then humiliate him and send him packing yeah it is strange how how did he get into the country how was he allowed to i mean obviously he should have been allowed and this whole thing shouldn't be happening anyway i'm not disputing that hmm. but how how was he allowed in in the first place if this was then to happen well he um, was first granted a medical exemption i'm not sure what which was approved i think by two health boards in australia so that basically the green light given what the australian health authorities are mm. and um i think he, he arrives in melbourne he is told his visa is revoked scott morrison the australian prime minister goes on tv saying everyone should follow the, the law and we've had to go through tough times with covid we've got record cases and so yeah he's um and of course, Scott Morrison says that Djokovic should follow the same law that everyone else is doing. And well, he, he is because Australia quarantined people in um, these decrepit, insect ridden hotels that um, don't serve edible food at all. And um, he's still there on the, the day of the, the Orthodox Church's Christmas Day. <laughs> and um, when uh, uh, you uh, messaged us earlier to notify us that Djokovic had broken the silence, and all he said really was that he's thankful for his for his fans and his family. Yeah. For I mean, it, he is a tough cookie, but it's a horrible time for him. Absolutely mm. dreadful, and I hope he gets out of it as soon as possible. He gets out of Australia as soon as possible. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. yeah, no, because there are a lot of athletes who uh, seem to be sort of kicking back against this, especially in, in America. There's a couple of. Um, High-profile NBA players who have who have come out against this sort of regime of uh, forcing players to um, undergo vaccination or risk losing their careers in in the prime bit. And Djokovic, you know, who in the post uh, Federer and Nadal era is the undisputed number one player in the world. He is currently the ambassador of tennis worldwide, at least, at least men's tennis. And uh, for him to for him to be sort of publicly humiliated like this. Um, by a, a nation which has gone from being, you know, Australia being generally quite liberty-minded to one of the more callous regimes on earth is is really saying something. Yeah, and the, the responses uh, from other figures, either in the sport or TV personalities generally, you know, the people who a lot of uh, a lot of the public listen to and sort of look up to, has been sort of constantly. Well, I don't understand why he just doesn't get the vaccine. I mean, we know there's lots of data that says it's safe and it'll benefit his health and the health of those around him and all this. And you think, regardless of your opinion on whether or not he should be getting it, um, it's his own choice, surely, uh, as to whether or not he, he takes a COVID vaccination. It's just it shows what a severe change we've gone through over the past two years, that now all of a sudden people are 
not only not questioned when they raise such points, but they're sort of provoked into making these points in the first place. If they said the opposite, that it's their choice, then the, the presenters and the, the TV programmes that invite them would think they were strange and probably not invite them again. Hmm. Uh, in fact, they'd definitely not invite them again. Hmm. We've got to the point where questions about people's medical health and the decisions they take towards it is up for open public debate. It's, you know, that's sort of an incredible downfall. Uh, it's a terrible shame, and it, it shows... Um, I think that it's it's not just something which is affecting um, normal civilians, I suppose you could say. I mean, obviously he is one, but you understand what I mean. It's This is something that's affecting big figures too, and it could sort of alter um, who is allowed into uh, different tournaments, which I think actually could be a good thing in, in, in terms of our our side it should open people's eyes to different questions uh, but then at the same time if all the media is driving is well why doesn't he just get one uh, rather than hang on a minute why is he being held up here um, and and abused because he's decided not to get a vaccine um, that may be the position we're driven more towards it seems like it might be but hopefully some people will think hang on this is ridiculous why are we questioning this why doesn't he why don't we just let him get on with his own choices and move on with it we're um, back to the, that, that phrase that's recently entered um, the public discourse, which is you know mass formation psychosis. Hmm. You know this sort of event wouldn't be possible without some sort of mass psychosis event, yeah. where you know if you look at the objective facts about the vaccine, i.e., that if you're if you're you know healthy and you, i.e., you, your chances of dying in COVID are, are very low. There's very little reason to actually take it apart from to be able to go into these venues in these competitions um yeah it's it's you know it's again it's once again it's you know humanity has lost its lost its damn mind and this is just another <laughs> symptom of that madness and going back to why is everyone's medical history so public and made to be public well that's just a, a symptom of what the west has become and with technology ev everyone's political beliefs have been on display for the past five years they've been questioned and scrutinized and brought through the meat grinder for for a long time now and this is just the the extension of that mm. and uh, of course the um the, the vaccine fanatics the the ones which apply to the mass formation psychosis they have inverted the john stuart mill's liberty principle and that you can do whatever once so long as you do not cause harm now of course all these unvaccinated people running around wanting to play in the Australian Open are all lepers are all endangering other people despite having no data to support that and uh, so they say that well of course everyone's medical history should be up for uh, public debate because the unvaccinated are a, a dangerous people and mm -hmm. they are endangering us you know good law-abiding virtue signaling people something something similar happened um here in the uk with with quite uh comedic outcomes which is that um uh, liverpool football club um their manager jürgen klopp came out and said that he, the club wouldn't sign an unvaccinated player um he said he's requiring all players and staff to be vaccinated he said that they're a threat to society um he wouldn't sign somebody who's a threat to his players uh and he said that he believes that they should be mandatory well that implies that the club is you know, at every level, 100% vaccinated, yet they've had to postpone their games for the next few weeks and close their training ground because of a local outbreak in the club, you know? <laughs> well, I think in the case in just football and sport in general, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're going to test 
everyone constantly, you're going to come up with cases eventually, whether they're asymptomatic, false positive or whatever. And the, the, the EFL, the English Football League, stopped match day testing because it, it was so disruptive. I mean, my football team came from Shania, had to cancel two games over the Christmas period. And, uh, but they uh, leave out all the fine print. Well, are, are any players actually ill? Or have just yeah. two lines appeared on a LFT. Well, we saw, didn't we, Luke? This with the the Darts World Championships over the Christmas and New Year period, where we had you know massive figures like Michael Van Gerwen, uh, Van der Voort. Um, there was somebody else as well, but I can't remember who who were kicked out of the tournament. Essentially, the the biggest tournament in darts. Some of them people with big chances, especially someone like Van Gerwen, of of going far in the tournament. Uh, kicked out because of COVID. And, and they, uh, Gerwin at least, was very open about the fact he had no symptoms. He didn't know he had COVID until because of the tournament rules he tested. Um, so you're right, it's, it's massively disruptive. Um, and, and, you know, some people said that they should postpone the, the tournament as a result of that. Um, and, and we're seeing now, aren't we, the, the government announcing uh, thousands more sort of daily tests for certain workers. Uh, and you know what that means? It just means thousands more cases every single day. Uh, reported case numbers. It means more terror, more dreadful headlines, and 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 who knows? Maybe even more restrictions. We wouldn't put it past them at this stage. And it also means a, a, a national shortage in tests. Yeah. Um, like the the office that I, I work in um, went from requiring tests weekly to test daily. Um, and the most obvious um, result of that was that they went from having, you know, boxes of tests piled high to the ceiling to now there's none. Yeah. And also, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you're still are, but whenever you see a testing pack, they normally still say on the side, uh, made in China. So that's our, our great vaccination. Yeah, no, on province. The, yes, the, the, the instruction manual is written in Mandarin. Brilliant. Well, <laughs> that that leads me on to the next section, actually. Um now, I think you both know, and most listeners or anyone who's ever read anything I've written will likely know that, you know, I, I do get wound up by all the lockdown stuff. I'm interested by it. And uh, it's, in fact, it's been the main theme of Bournemouth for the past year. But still, the thing that, that really rolls me up the most is uh, the question of the Tory party being conservative in name only. I don't know why, but certain examples of this just uh, I can't help but dig into. So something else was emerged today. We saw essentially uh, the government um is is saying that it's going to pull through with another post brexit victory we've regained our freedom so now once again on our british pint glasses we're going to have the ground the crown stamp crown stamp was used since uh, 1699 i believe essentially uh, as proof that uh, what you're holding in your hand is a pint glass or a half pint glass as it might be um, and it's it's one of those small things, isn't it? Like having a, a blue passport, for example, which we'll go into in a minute, which is is pretty small. But it's these it's these small things that make us know that we are British, that it's our it's our country, that what we're holding is something produced here for us, by us, all that sort of thing. And you know, people might call it silly, but it, if you're a patriot, as as I imagine all listeners of Bornbrook are, you like these small things. They're nice small details. In the same way that with a family. You know, the, the small things such as the games you play or the, the things you talk about over dinner might to someone else be really boring. But to you, it's what makes you that family. It's what's interesting. So these traditions are important. And we're told that after Brexit, we're finally going to bring back the crown stamp after the European Union. 
forced us to ban them. We had to um, instead, while we're in the EU, we're told to use the CE mark, which uh, is European conformity is what it stands for when, when translated anyway. Uh, but the EU hit back at Boris and said, well, we never stopped you from using it in the first place. So apparently all pint glasses essentially did have to have the CE mark, but they could all also have had the, the crown stamp at the same time. So the removal of the crown stamp wasn't, it seems, anything to do with the European Union. It was a choice uh, by the government not carrying on enforcing it and also by producers. Now, before I bore anyone further, the thing that makes it even worse, the thing that frustrates me even more, is that Boris has done these press conferences and released statements about how reintroducing the crown stamp shows a sign of regaining Britain's sovereignty, even though, as we just said, it doesn't because they could have done it the whole time. But regardless of that, he's not actually properly reintroducing the crown stamp in any sense. Instead, what he's making mandatory on all the pint glasses is the mark UKCA, that's UK conformity assessed, which by the way, sounds very much like the EU mark we previously had to use. So basically copied and pasted the EU's mark, which is European conformity and turned it into UK conformity. Great, what a great step outwards and regaining of control. The, uh, the crown mark will only be voluntary, which in many uh, sort of businessmen and producers might be translated into unnecessary it's just an added cost something you don't need to do and therefore won't do so it all look very boring but it just shows again this whole brexit uh, talk about regaining control the tories don't care about any of that anything which is patriotic and is a sign of our nation like the blue passport which was hailed as a regaining of sovereignty but is made in a in a polish factory owned by a french company because Delarue, an old British company, was denied the contract and now its passport division, uh, I think, has gone bust. Uh, if not, it probably will soon. Um, it's all tosh. It's all absolute nonsense. It's all talk while the action um, doesn't bear any relation to it. Um, and I think as we move out of the COVID era, hopefully as we move out of it with the lockdown restrictions, anyway, obviously COVID is, is, is done for in terms of um, how damaging it is, thankfully, with new variants, which are weaker, we need to come back onto these issues and really try and hammer them home before the next general election, because the Tories can't be allowed again to get away with talking the talk about patriotism when it's all absolute empty tosh used only to win votes. Look, the, the, the Tory party are the party of continuity in the UK. Like every Western nation, now that democracy has devolved into oligarchy has its continuity party you know in america it's the democrats here it's the tories and it, it again it shows that you know brexit was never you know a deeply held belief of them in british sovereignty it was just their way of maintaining power because they noticed that the you know the the wind was blowing the other way um and yeah you're right so, and that's why they, they do all these symbolic things like you know like I don't really care about crown stamps on a pint, right? I don't really care about that. I don't really care if, you know, God Save the Queen is played after every 10 p.m. news broadcast. I, I would much rather the government focus on, you know, something like energy independence and reindustrializing, reducing Im reducing immigration, actually reducing it, not just, you know, switching from European immigration to immigration from South Asia. They, they don't actually give a toss about the the long-term well-being of the nation if they did they prioritize um incentivizing you know family creation and, and, and boosting the, the 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 birth rate it's all synthetic performative and aesthetic um action without any real substance to it 
And you're right. And um, it's uh, so something um, Hitchin said when he when he counters the the notion of uh, of uh, Farage being a, a sort of national hero in that he essentially handed the Tories ten more years in power on a silver platter. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. No. I mean, we we have a long, long, long way to go until we have an actual. Um, set of policy which is good for the country rather than just you know sort of symbolic yeah well just quickly before you come in Luke when you say you don't care about the crown mark and all these things I I do care about it I think it's important but I think the point is that it should be a given it should be a given that a party that's patriotic does these things and it also shouldn't be the main thing when the Tory party uses press conferences and talks about the blue passport and the crown mark to to show how Britain is powerful and it's going to prosper outside the EU and we've taken back control but really it, it shouldn't you'd think it wouldn't be something that was talked about. It was just done in the background. That's it, Bosch. And then, like you say, they should be focusing on the proper issues, uh, like um, trying to actually do something about crime, education, family, birth rates, immigration, all these sorts of topics. You're absolutely right on that, but I do think these things still matter. That's it's just yeah, yeah. not in the sense of their talking points sure. and the fact that they're like, small aspects. That's the thing, though, is it? Like, like Britain isn't dying because we no longer have crown stamps on our pint glasses it's dying way around yeah yeah exactly it's it's a it's a it's a symptom of the the, yeah. the 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 decay rather than the source of it you know um if they actually cared they would you know go after these institutions that are trashing this country you know they would stop um the producers of you know the proms from censoring uh, songs like Land of Hope and Glory and Royal Britannia. They would, you know, they would go into schools and say, okay, if you teach this, this, and this, you lose funding. You know, mm. like that would actually make a positive difference, you know, rather than just acquiescing to the non-ruling elites raising a generation who are going to tear down the country for them. Yeah. You know, or at least let it die and do nothing about it. Mm. Well, all the Tory party is is just a PR company masquerading as a political party. <laughs> and, um, the reason why it doesn't implement actual conservative policies is what we've talked about to death. They aren't actually conservative. They go to the same liberal universities. They're in bed with the same liberal media. We, we've touched on that recently. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to stay in power, they have to just sort of move with the waves a little. That, that's why you, you see all the conservative in 2040 memes just becoming progressively more and more left-wing as the Overton window shrinks ever further. That's why the, the Tories have become green fanatics all of a sudden. That's just why they've become the Brighton Council. Yeah. And uh, it, it's the same thing with COVID. The um, supposedly far-right party fell in line with the rest of the world. And um, so that would just keep going so long as the, the opposition just continue to be slightly more extreme than the Tory parties, well, at least openly more extreme. Yeah. The Tories that... have the same policy, but just under the surface. So yeah, they have blue passports. I mean, this is, it's like, again, it's like, it's like going back to Hitchens here, you know, he's, he's, um, he's painted the, you know, the, the, uh, the post Cameron Tory party as basically being a continuation of new Labour. You know, we, we, we've had a Conservative government for nearly 12 years now, right? And, you know, and, and um, we're, we're very possibly beating a dead horse here. But if this was a genuine Conservative Party, there would not be a vestige of Blair era policy remaining. You know, it would all be gone. You know, the Supreme Court, the Communications Act, the Equalities Act would be gone. 
I heard a great line the other day. I, I really wish I'd noticed it down, but I didn't. So I can't remember the MP, but I'll, I'll find it out and hopefully say it next week. But there's a, a Conservative MP and quite a senior one. He may have even been a cabinet minister who essentially said, someone put it to him that, you know, that the, the Tory party were pursuing Labour-like policies. And his response was really revealing. He said, no, we're not. We're not, we're not following the policies of the Labour Party. Well, maybe the Labour party, party of 20 years ago, but certainly not the one of today. And I thought, well, that says it all. You've just admitted it. Um, you've just admitted that you're, you're the same party, maybe slightly behind on some aspects, but mainly in name. Uh, and, and also you'll get there eventually. You'll be, it, be there in 20 years. Has he made that mistake that we all make every now and then, which, which is assuming that 20 years ago was 1980, not 2002? Well, there is probably that. Yeah, I, I often make that mistake because it's <laughs> you still, even though we were born in, well, I was born at least in 99, you still think of 20 years ago as being uh, as being pre-2000s, but no, we're wrong. I also think it's just reminiscent of the way these people think, and they think that history exists in a vacuum. Mm. where um, they uh, take, you know, the, the 90s, you know, all, all that euphoria, that emerging liberalism before the, the crisis of the 21st century and the war on terror and the financial collapse, and that is what they want history and indeed mm. the present to be like. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that, that, uh, that post-Cold War, you know, um, Pax Americana, Cool Britannia. Uh, running on borrowed time. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, true. Before, well, before, we, before we finish off, I want to go back to um, Macron because I don't think we we dwelled on that enough. You know, the serious implications of what he's done because his 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 law has passed the first barrier within the French government um, to essentially make the unvaccinated fully second class citizens in France. You know, it, in in the past, it was you know it was to provide social advantages to the vaccinated, but now it's a literal um, casting of second-class citizenship upon five million Frenchmen. And, and um, it's important to note that there is an election coming up in France with a, um, a, 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 a an insurgent candidate in the form of um, Zemmour. Um, now, this can go one of two ways. Either it can be a death knell for the Macron government and, you know, en marche and, and um, the, sort of the, the French centre-left, or what I do fear will happen is that in-group preference will prevail. And because a vast majority of Western nations are vaccinated, that that in-group preference will create an, an apathy towards the plight of the unvaccinated to the point where it only gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I don't think people really care about what Macron said, to be honest. Um, I don't think they're that insulted by it. I don't think it will make much of an electoral difference. Um I'd like to comments just be part of French culture as well. The French pride themselves on being you know, obscene and provocative. So yeah. I was wondering whether French people would be yeah, more accepting of his horrendous comments. Well, it's not just it's not the comments I don't think that matter in, in terms of whether or not they'd take anything seriously about it. It was crass, that's sure. But it could have been less crass and the implication of the comment would have been the same. If he simply said our aim is to make life difficult for the unvaccinated or, you know, uh, purposefully annoy them, say, then people wouldn't be annoyed because it was rude, but they'd still be annoyed because it's, as Sam said, putting people as second class citizens. But I think they won't be, I don't think they'll be peed off by the peed off remark, uh, but I do think that they will not care also just about the very fact that he wants to 
do that to people who are unvaccinated. I think that's an important point that um, that's not going to make much of an electoral sway because people probably agree. They're probably glad. I, I can imagine a lot of people saw that and went, thank goodness he's, you know, finally putting some pressure on these people, um, which is horrendous. Um, and uh, uh, same with the Djokovic story. I imagine a lot of people, as I said earlier, are probably rubbing their hands at this and thinking, oh, well, I never liked him. You know, he always seemed to be aggressive on the thing. And this, this proves it. He's clearly an idiot. Why doesn't he just do it? Follow the rules. He shouldn't even be there. He's rubbing it in the Australian's nose. It's not fair. Kick him out. Make him get jabbed. I imagine that's the main response from people. Again, I'd like to be wrong. Maybe I am. Um, but... It doesn't seem that there's that many people yeah, no, who are no, actually no. frustrated by this. You're right, yeah. Pe people are more angry at, at, at those who are punished as a result of these um, morally corrupted rules rather than those who have put these rules in place. You know, mm. like all the anger in Australia should be directed at the Australian government and regional governors. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, well, we will continue to direct our annoyance at them um over the next year um i hope you stick with us thanks for those who have, who have been with us for the whole year that's uh very kind of you something slightly wrong with you perhaps but very kind of you nonetheless um we hope you carry on sticking with us and thanks to those who just recently found us um also find us online at bornbrookmag.com and in print that's the first time i've done a plug i think and it didn't feel right but i i've done it now <laughs> and on youtube at uh bornbrook digital indeed you can join on there you are. Well, thanks as always, and we'll see you again next week. Cheers.